Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. Oh, and I'm Vern Value. And we are 25-year Wall Street veterans who have gone underground, taken on secret identities, in order to provide our candid views on a handful of stocks out of this week's Value Line Investment Survey. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news. But our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we've disguised our voices and they'll never know. This week, we look at the November 14th, 2008 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey. First, uh, Vern, I have to go through a couple disclosures, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, this show is for entertainment purposes only. I, of course I don't mind. And that's not a guarantee of being entertaining. But uh, There are no guarantees yeah, implied no guarantees or otherwise. At all. We, but our lawyers do say we should give you that caveat. Also, a lot of conflicts of interest. We may own these stocks, which if you do believe that, then feel sorry for us. We do, you know, these are generally coming out of our portfolios. Uh, we also may have lucrative contractual arrangements with management. I uh, just want to point that out. could be a conflict. <laughs> you can do that? Yeah, absolutely. We should look into it's that. It's free enterprise. <laughs> and, uh, and then finally, we could have dinner plans with some of the management teams we talk about tonight. Who knows? Or, or perhaps use their products in our regular yeah, lives, in our very, very in our awesome. regular undisguised existence. It's good pointing that out. Uh, now, this week's been a very tough week for value. You know, I have uh, Russell. Why, why single out value? Because I have a Russell 2000 value benchmark composite. Uh, the Russell 2000 value was down 7% today. Ouch. Uh, I was down 5 which in consultant land is good. If you can believe that, it still hurts my net worth and all that. Uh, but we're re really crazy times, and you know we continue. I continue to advocate just weighing in here. Take a percentage of your income every month, put it in the market. And I found a chart this week I want to point out for people, um, and I'll talk about it at the back half of the show. That'll give us all a little comfort about valuation in here. Well, uh, I could use a little I, comfort. Yeah, I found it on the internet. Amazingly. Uh, so I'll be back to talk about Hexcel. These are good ideas this week. Hexcel, Schlumberger, and Pool Corp. But first, with oh, a lot of ado, a lot of ado. Yeah, I'm back to it. It's mm -hmm. down, you know. Yeah. Uh, with a lot of ado this week, because uh, he gave me a ride in his car, uh, Vern Value. <laughs> I'm supposed to do that. Okay. Fine. Hands off the clock when it's yeah. my. Okay. Okay. Well. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I didn't know you knew how to work it because last week you didn't know it's how to start it. It's a complicated device. It was last week. <laughs> Starting it is far more complicated than simply okay, sweeping I everyone. see. Right. Been uh, studying the manual. Stock everything. number one from your friend Vern Value is Air Products, which is cheap for, I, I think, the first time ever. No, maybe not ever. but I doubt that, my friend. Uh, symbol is APD, recently around $61. I never looked up the prices, did you? No. So I They're say down. around, and I yeah. mean could be anywhere around $61. Look them up. But let's assume significantly lower. But at $61, the stock's down 40% off of its high last year. APD, like all mm -hmm. points mm -hmm. development or something. Mm -hmm. Trading at 12 times a value line earnings estimate of about $5, obviously, um, which they say is around a market multiple and yields 2.9%. So the yield may be over 3 at this point. The stock here, as uh, the last time it traded um, at, at this level, except for just briefly touching it, 
in 2006 was in 2005 when revenue was $8 billion. It's $10 billion today. And there are fewer shares outstanding. So sales per share has gone from $36 to $50 for the same price. Uh, at this level, it's about seven times cash flow. It's fifty-two seventy-eight, by the way. Fifty-two seventy-eight. Oh. Fifty-three dollars. <laughs> wow. It's six times gross cash flow for a very, very high quality. It usually gets listed as a specialty chemical company. What do they call it? What's Value Line called? I don't know. What if people stop using chemical chemicals? diversified? Uh, Air Products and Chemicals Inc. supplies a variety of gases. To uh, chemicals, steel, electronics, oil, and food. Well, food's not very cyclical. As well as hospitals, clinics, and labs. Um, chemical intermediates. And they are also involved in, it says, including management of waste to energy, cogen, and flue gas desulfurization projects, which puts them square in the green energy patch, if you will. Um, and uh, generate, get paid really well for what they do. They, their operating margins are uh, consistently above 20%. They have some past years even higher. But in recent years, 21 to 23, say, uh, return on capital consistently double digit, uh, running around 13% now. Return on uh, equity then with a little bit of leverage, 40% debt to cap at this company, $4 billion of debt outstanding. There isn't a lot of cash, but got a $13 billion market cap, maybe 12 with the back down on the price that Val shared with us earlier. Mm -hmm. And what I'm struck by is this 12 PE, and I have 16 years of uh, average PEs here, <laughs> courtesy of Value Line, and only in the year 2000 when it averaged 12.8 times was an annual average below 15, and in most years, 18 to 20 was the average P.E. on the stock. Um, I, I, this is a, a terrifically uh, well-positioned, um, huge market share, I think particularly in uh, gases, uh, including clean air and you know things like helium, et cetera. Nitrogen, I think. Well, and it's the distribution. I used to own this one. It's yeah. really the distribution network that makes it proprietary. It makes it impossible yeah, for anybody to replicate compete. it. And so they get they should have what high margins, good returns, uh, and they have ridiculously high margins yeah. and wildly high returns. They have an, a monopoly for twelve times earnings. Yeah, so uh, Value Lines calling for fourteen to twenty three percent average annual total return, but that was from sixty one dollars, folks. So. Um, I calculate an, uh, an enterprise value to EBITDA multiple that with this recent decline would be coming in right around seven times. Maybe the earnings estimates have to come down because of recession, but looks great. The only flaw I could find here is um, the footnote, actually. You may not pay much attention to these footnotes in the value line reports, but down at the very bottom there's always an A, B, C, D, E, F, whatever. And um, some of it is just to call out that the number of shares that they're showing in the table is millions of shares, not millions of dollars, and things like that. But they always list there any adjustments that they've done to reported earnings per share. And I was just struck by, in the case of uh, Air Products, that the numbers that Value Line is showing in the master table for the continuing operating performance of the company exclude some small, in some cases not Stay so with small, us, listeners. gains no. or losses. In almost every year since uh, on this chart, 92, 3, 4, 5, 6, 8, 2000, 01, 2, 3, 6, 7, and 8, some people would say that that says something about quality of earnings. 
And it may suggest that the, the returns that we're looking at by, by adjusting numbers out over such a long period of time, it probably provides a little bit of upward bias to the profitability profile we're looking at. But still, very, very cheap, I think, for very high quality. So take a look at APD. I, I've wanted to recommend this many times in the past on the show, but never could because of the I don't know uh, why you have it before. No, it's, it's a never, fascinating it's story. Never cheap. Yeah. Well, okay. people may stop using chemicals in the future. And, and air. I, I, Possibly. I, I'm, I'm hearing you Possibly. may not you know, have money for that either. Uh, second stock, a return to 3M, which looks like it's probably down some from when we talked about it last show. But it's only about 30% off of its peak and I think has probably outperformed – the overall market uh, as it's taken a header here in the last few weeks. This says the stock was recently 65.60. Val's going to tell us in a minute what the I real may. stock price is, if oh, we're lucky. What's the ticker on that little puppy? On 3M Company? Yeah. Is it MMM? Yes, it is. Sometimes they change those. You know. they, they do sometimes. Mm-hmm. But when you've got one that pretty much is exactly the name of the company, my guess is you'd kind of hang on. No, I've I got to agree with that. This, one, this is also 12 times earnings. This is also an industrial company with an incredibly stable track record of growth. Margins even higher here, 25 to 30%. Return on capital even higher than air products, I'm saying, at 25 to 30% returns on capital. There's some leverage. So shareholder uh, return on shareholders' equity is, uh, well, over 30%. Uh, looks like six out of the last seven years. Um, there is some debt, seven billion, but on a forty-five or forty billion dollar uh, equity market cap, uh, and there is three billion of cash. There's really only a net debt position of four billion dollars, um, but at seven, it's twenty-eight percent of capital. Enterprise ID, but Don, this premium uh, company. Listen to this: they've they've diversified the company. A lot of people don't realize they're not just a post-its. They don't just make scotch tape. Um, they and make flat flat things. And and a lot of people That's know that a lot of people uh, understand that you know there's a big industrial. Uh, they've seen sandpaper, bought 3M sandpaper, maybe, you know, at their local Home Depot sure. or someplace like that. Um, but they have built a significant position in healthcare businesses and safety, security, and personal protection markets that together add up to about a third of the company today. So uh, really, almost independent of business cycle. Type products. If I could um, interject the price here, would this yes, be a good please time? Yes, please do. Yeah. Sixty-three mm, down and about six cents. R and D at 3M is almost six percent of sales. So there's also levers here that can be pulled to preserve profitability in the short term if we end up with a really nasty um, uh, economic environment. Uh, Value Line's not looking for much uh, earnings growth here, single digits. I think that underestimates. The change in culture culture that's been engineered at 3M in recent years um, and where there appears to be a uh, growing tide of new product introductions that are being brought to market after having gone through a period of time where um, they were a little bit lost maybe. But the company has been demonstrating um, pretty solid growth over the last several years. They've had a play in uh, flat screen TV market. That's, all, that's been a, uh, an important propellant. Um, but they'll just invent something new for the next decade because that's what they seem to do uh, every five or ten years at 3M. Uh, Value Line really likes this one. They're right up. Rare chance to buy a top-quality equity at a bargain basement price. Deserves long-term P.E. of 16. Of course, this is around 12, just like Air Products. Uh, says we like to buy quality companies at low valuations. I like this analyst, Jeremy Butler. He's right on the money here on 3M. Really? I don't know about that one. 
And um, then lastly, um, I'm going to return to a name that I haven't talked about in quite some time, and I'm glad because uh, the price performance hasn't been very good. Uh, but at this point, Cedar Fair LP, symbol FUN, F-U-N, and you know my partiality for, for uh, interesting and uh, amusing and pertinent ticker symbols, like FUN. Do I? Draws me back to the – I thought you did. Uh, you know, I think that's anyway, noteworthy. Th this is an, an operator of theme parks, um, amusement parks, located primarily throughout the Midwest. Cedar Point might be the best known, but um, I'm sure many people are familiar with Dorney Park near Allentown, Pennsylvania. Absolutely. I'm or, heading there over the weekend. Or Valley Fair in Shakopee, Minnesota, if I pronounce that correctly. If I didn't, apologies to the fine citizens of – wherever that is in Minnesota, Michigan's Adventure Amusement Park. They do have uh, Knott's Berry Farm. That's a name that most people I know that know. one. I've been there. Um, this, this is priced at about Steve four Martin times used to work there. cash flow right now. Their operating margins are in the 30s. Net profit margins tend to be um, double digits when they're not buried in debt. Companies been buried in debt uh, from acquisitions and also because they operate with a very leveraged capital structure. So you shouldn't be too alarmed by the company being 91% debt to capital because they're constantly paying out that capital in the form of the dividends that the entity is designed to pay out. I mean, it's the idea is to make a lot of money and pay it out in dividends every year. You're not supposed to retain a lot. And um, so that's where this giant yield comes from. What I like about it is the, uh, the per unit price at around $15 is the cheapest since 2002. So I may have some opportunity for capital appreciation in something that is really just designed to be an income vehicle. Do I have to worry about recession? Well, I guess I do, but it seems to me that a lot of people that might travel overseas or go to Florida or Hawaii might find the local amusement park to be a, a, a bargain. I, I re was really actually drawn to Disney, uh, but in our uh, pre-show uh, refreshment encounter, my partner Val pointed out that event risk at Disney might be a bit I don't higher. like to talk about that. You don't like to talk about event risk? No, no. Oh, all right. Well, then I no. won't. I think it's a sad thing to have to talk about. Okay. But um, I don't think we have that at Cedar Fair, at least that kind. And um, they also operate several water parks. Anyway, so fun, F-U-N. I'll come back later and try to render a verdict on which one I like the best. But with that, hmm. I'll turn it over to my uh, more energized, I hope, partner, uh, Val Hughes. Oh, thank you. Beverage Bragg. Um, firm. Yeah, Beverage Bragg. Um, okay, well. Listen, before I get into talking about three terrific ideas, I ran across an article through a link to uh, an economist site that was uh, brought to my attention by Jolene. So I want to thank her for that. Um, and this is uh, by a gentleman called, uh, named John Cochran. It was put out a couple days ago. Is now the time to buy stocks? And he put together, I mean, this is simple data. You can actually pull it off of, uh, well, where? I don't know. You have to probably go to the library for this. But he has a chart of dividend divided by price for the, uh, oh, he's at University of Chicago. Okay. It, he, I don't know to switch one here. Oh, New York Stock Exchange stocks from 1945 to 2008. Two charts. One is the dividend to price ratio. That's, of course, the dividend yield, the money they actually pay you that you get a check for. 
divided by what you have to pay for the stock at that moment in time. So it's a true cash yield to the buyer. And then he's got a chart called following seven-year return. So from that same moment in time when that yield is available, what is the return over the future seven years? So while the top line goes to 2008 uh, because you know the dividend yield today, the bottom line just goes to 2001 because you don't know the 2002 future seven-year return until next year. Now, the curious thing about this, and he titles this chart No Random Walk, um, as I guess a commentary on Burton Malkiel's piece, uh, A Random Walk on Wall Street, which is good reading because a lot of stuff in the short term is random. But this points out a tremendous uh, correlation between dividend yield and return. And I guess the way to think about this is simply that there is some value, some intrinsic value for companies, and the yield that you get is like a bond yield. So when you know you're going to get your bond principal in 10 years and that's when you need it, maybe it doesn't matter so much what the bond price does in the ensuing 10 years. You don't even care. You just want your principal at the end. And, you know, this article suggests maybe we should be thinking about stocks this way as well. Companies have an intrinsic value. It's a long-term intrinsic value based on long-term returns on capital and long-term growth rates, which ultimately underlie population growth and productivity growth. That's long-term economic growth. And I just think this is pretty fascinating. You can pull this up. You can search for it on Wall Street Journal, WSJ.com. Just type in, is now the time to buy stocks? John Cochran, he's got this great chart. Uh, and basically, the yield is way up, of course, because prices are down and dividends aren't down as much as price. And, you know, this suggests the next seven years are going to be pretty freaking good. So uh, we've been talking about how, you know, value guys like to buy cheap. There's some academic, um, you know, evidence of that. Okay, first up this week, Pool Core, P-O-O-L. I've talked about this before. It's at 1548. Uh, page uh, 2316. My theme here is that here's something that's, you know, I talked about this last week, a need, not a want. You've got a pool. You've paid $50,000 for it. You're too broke to go anywhere this year. But for, uh, you know, what, 100 bucks a month, you can use your pool. So uh, the part of their business that's related to new pool installations is already anniversary. You know, it, it's continuing to go down, but that's got to be bottoming in terms of new starts. And there was some good news out of California, I think, a quarter or so ago in terms of starts or purchases or something. But there does look like there's a bottoming going on as price finds the place where demand uh, will buy up these houses. And meantime... What are you talking about? I'm talking about, I think, new starts, their business that's mm -hmm. in new pool installations is bottoming. So you're not going to get their negative... new starts. That, so not housing starts. You're not calling a bottom there. I say that's bottoming. It's in a bottoming. And for Pool Corp, 20% of their business is putting in new pools. So that's been a big drag. The stock's down from 50 uh, in 06 to 15. It's, it's followed this housing recession. Uh, but they have this tremendous maintenance business of keeping pools workable for existing pools. That's just an annuity because the ROI for the customer of that, again, you spend 100 bucks a month, you can use your pool, your $50,000 assets. So it's a good deal. They put up great returns going way back. Of course, Value Line points out here that business is not so good right now due to poor residential housing starts. That's in the stock. 
you know, new construction, uh, you know, it's bad. That's in the stock. Well, except that they're continuing to go down. They're, they're, they're not bottoming. Starts. What are you talking about? Housing starts. I'm saying, my friend, that I think we're in a bottoming period and that the what we see as a continuing negative comparison is not going to get worse than we already see, is my opinion, that we see the bottom. It is going to continue to get worse into 09, but we know that. That's my contention. And it's in the stock, and you're going to earn the annuity of just people keeping their pools going. Um, the other thing they're doing that, again, you've got to think a little long-term – they are wholesalers to pool retailers. They're slowly starting up their own little pool retail business, branding, and I think they might be taking a page out of a book from Napa, uh, you know, which Genuine Parts originally supplied and then slowly bought the whole chain over a 15-year period. They'd be maybe moving out into the retail chain. That'll give them retail sales from wholesale. That'll boost their sales. Uh, it does hurt margin. But it gives them a lot of market to grow into, and I think that's maybe a secret positive here. The stock is not super cheap, um, but because of this annuity and the potential to really roll out into the whole pool supply industry, I like it a lot. Um, it's really 10 times EBITDA. You can find cheaper stocks, but this thing is so stable in terms of that maintenance business, I'm willing to pay the premium. The balance sheet's not great. It's 50% debt to cap, but again, it's eight times covered in an, in an area where no one's cutting back on their maintenance pool. That, that area continues to grow nicely uh, for them. So uh, there's more detail on this in a past show, ticker P-O-O-L, page whatever, 2316. Okay, now here's one. I'm really pretty excited about Schlumberger, ticker SLB, page 2407. My theme here is oil demand. Now, I know we're going to try to do some other things. Good luck to us. Uh, I'm sure we'll be successful. You know, we'll launch a Manhattan Project for Alternative Energy, and someone will invent something, and I'm a fan of all that. But meantime, we're going to need some oil um, until we start even gas, you know, until we start putting cars into other, you know, sources of energy, we're going to need this stuff. And these guys are the premium guy in helping oil companies find oil. They do what's called wire line, which is they send, you know, wires down into holes to and, and you know, shoot out explosions and read these maps and figure out where the oil is and the gas is. And they reduce the cost of drilling for oil companies in terms of helping them find out where to drill so that their uh, their misses aren't as frequent. And they're, uh, you know, top of the class on this. They earn 35% operating margins. That says proprietary to me because it's way over cost. And for years they've been earning, you know, uh, 15, 20, 25% returns on capital. Now their business is likely to go down as oil prices have come down. But back in the 90s, when oil was at 12 bucks, these guys never lost money. And through that whole period, they sold at a premium to the market multiples. Right now, you can buy them at a, nearly a 15% discount. So it seems to me to be mispriced, even knowing the fact that oil's down. But oil's still $60. It's not $12 anymore. And we've got these economies of China and India you know, they're not so worried about alternate fuels. They just want cars that can take them down to the store or go off to the movies or something or go on a date, you know. So that's going to be pushing the need for oil. And $60 oil, I'm just saying, is better than $12 oil, and they made money then. So while they're going to, you know, have some difficult comparisons, uh, the stock is kind of adjusted for that. It was 115 bucks last year, and right now it's 48 bucks. Cash flow per share 
eight bucks, so it's what six times uh, seven times gross cash flow, capex three and a quarter. Let's take eleven times free. Uh, but then I like to do, and Vern does this too, we do an enterprise value to EBITDA calculation, which I might look at as a yield. And you can get that on the value line. The total enterprise value is the equity market cap, which is going to be about $60 billion, plus the debt, $3 billion, or $6 billion, so that's 66 minus the cash, 62 And according to value line, they're going to do about $10 billion in operating margin. So that's about six, six times. Uh, the inverse of that, one over six, is 16% cash on cash return. I'm going to say that's what you'd get if you bought all the stock, all the debt. You'd get 16%. And in an environment where, pre-tax. Uh, yeah, pre-tax, but, you know, bonds are at what, six, seven? So there's still a lot of private equity money. Not that this is going to get bought out, but that should keep the valuation honest over any reasonable period of time. So top of the class, oil uh, services, Schlumberger, SLB, Page 2407. And then finally, Hexel, ticker HXL, uh, page 2420. I own this. I've owned it for a while. Um, and I really like it. Uh, it hasn't been a great bargain until recently. It's at 8 bucks, And part of the reason is there's an investor named Jeffrey, I don't know him, Gendel or Gendel, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, that had a giant position in this thing. And for some reason, he's having to liquidate it all and that's putting enormous pressure on the stock that's tontine partners they're down like 75 percent for the year okay good well so you know that what do they do they they make a composite material out of carbon fiber and fiberglass electronics and such that can replace metal in uh, some uses where weight is very important so they're a big component of the new uh boeing uh, Dreamliner, which of course has been delayed with the strikes and all that. My understanding is that's settled and we should get back to that. They save Boeing a ton of money because instead of having 30 guys, you know, hammer a big metal fuselage together, you pour it like, uh, like a plastic mold. It cures in three days. You need about three guys to do it. So the work in process component of the investment in the plane goes way down, not to mention labor costs and things like that. The Airbus is also looking into this. Um, and meantime, they're also being I used. I think it actually has more to do with strength to weight, right? And the energy savings. It's actually a very labor-intensive process to produce. Well, a that's not what management told me, mm-hmm. but in terms of from Boeing's point of view of making their plane, ah. um, yeah, in the manufacturing being side, done by somebody else. Yeah, right. They're making it. I'm saying from Boeing's point of view, the ROI on this product is very high because it cuts out a lot of labor. Yeah, their process is labor-intensive. Yes, sir, I understand that. They're putting up a mid-teens operating margin. That's apt to get better as these air programs kick in. Returns on capital, low to mid-teens. But, again, this is a, a, you know, a material of the future. If we go to lightweight cars to save energy over time and safety, it's you know likely that you'll move to something like this. I mean, if you go watch Woody Allen's Sleeper, uh, those cars are made out of this stuff. Anyway, I'm running out of time. The valuation is right now seven times cash flow. It's a discount to the market, 11 times, well, actually nine times earnings. And I just think it's a great bargain down here. Um, you know, it's about, uh, what did I say? You know, seven times cash flow, something like that. Hexel, HXL, that's a, that's a terrible job. But I think I have talked about it on a past show. Um, that's all I have this week, Vern. I think we both have. Favorite? My favorite this week has got to be Schlumberger because right when everyone thinks oil's going to hell is the time to buy the best uh, oil line services guy, in my opinion.
That's my opinion on that, Vern. And uh, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with. Ooh, this is a tough. Ooh, I can't decide between three M and Air products. I like them both at twelve. Split the position. Okay, great. 